You're listening to ZZ Talk, a father-son generational podcast where we talk about entertainment, culture, and a variety of other subjects from the perspectives of both Gen Z and Gen X. I'm Noah. I'm Greg. And this is ZZ Talk. Hello, hello, and welcome to the show. Today, we're talking about the 2021 film, which is also up for a couple of Oscars this evening, Tick, Tick, Boom, starring my favorite Spider-Man, Andrew Garfield. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So anyway, this is a film, once again, that Noah and I had not seen, so we watched it independent of one another. And uh, how many sittings did you watch it in, Noah? Uh, I watched it in one sitting. Okay. And I watched it in two, which is pretty good for me, right? Yeah, and Grace watched this one with me, too. Okay. So, and your mom watched this with me, too. So, uh, this is kind of a special episode because we are back together in person for at least this week. And we're actually recording this during the Oscars, which, uh, as big a film buff uh, as both of us are, we are not big fans of the Oscars. I must not be that big of a film buff because I didn't even know the Oscars were happening. I I just remembered it today. in February, right? Uh, they, they they float. I don't yeah. know. And some people think they're too late this year, and some people, I don't know. Well, there's just but, no need for the yeah, Oscars societally. I'm not anymore. a big fan of award shows anyway. So, mm-hmm. um, But that does not mean that we don't want to watch films and talk about them. And so we're talking about Tick, Tick, Boom, which is on Netflix, and you can watch it at any point in time. Yes. Depending on the results of this, or depending on how you feel about our review of this film. Yes. So... Um, what we're going to do first is just go into high-level thoughts and then talk more spoiler territory. Although, I will admit, there's not really way too much to spoil here, I suppose, if you do know about um, the titular character's life. So, this movie is based on Jonathan Larson, uh, who created uh, the play Rent. And uh, that's correct, right? Yes. And Rent ran on Broadway for 12 years. So, it was a massive success. And I remember you playing... The 525,600 minute song uh, when I was younger. And yep. that was my first experience. Seasons of Love. Right. And it got a movie too in 2004 or 5. Is that true? The Rent movie? Did it? Oh, yes, it did. The, yes. Yeah. Okay. So pretty cool stuff. But this is loosely based on his life. They say everything that happens is, in this movie is true, except for the stuff that is not. So, you know, a little bit of realistic fiction here and there. But it's less a movie that is biographical. And more something that uh, sort of aims to show how much work he really put into um, his productions and what he wanted to do. His real passion for theater and the camaraderie of his friends around him as he was creating his first play, which was Superbia, something Mm -hmm. like that? Superbia. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So um, we're going to start with our high-level thoughts. So what did you think of this movie? Well, let me ask you first. Uh, we talked about this on a previous episode, but just for those who are just tuning in for this episode, mm-hmm. uh, are you a fan of musicals? You know, I say generally no. I'm not a theater person, but I have gone to a sort of live Rocky Horror Picture Show thing mm-hmm. um, from theater majors and stuff on Halloween, and that was so fun. I love singing in the rain, mm-hmm. one of my favorite movies ever. Mm-hmm. Same. La La Land is great, but I can't really get behind way too many musicals. Okay. I'm not drawn to that genre i suppose but i'm not i haven't written it off entirely so that's why i was more than happy to watch this right 
Well, and I think I'm on the other end of the spectrum. I like, well, maybe not the end of the spectrum, but mm-hmm. I like musicals. Um, the Greatest Showman was one of my favorites in recent years. But I like some of the classics, too, like The Sound of Music. Um, I love Singing in the Rain. Um, but some of the, the Rodgers and Hammerstein classics, Stephen Sondheim classics, I really like a lot of them. Um, but uh, then there's this film. Yes, and this is a musical through and through, a hardcore musical, I would say. You know, it's not, La La Land is very accessible to a certain crowd, I would say, that aren't specifically within that genre. It's it's meant to cast a wide net to the general public, and, you know, people who don't really like musicals can really enjoy that kind of movie. I would say you have to be pretty into that whole scene in order to get the full extent of this film, and, you know, sort of understanding where they're coming from here. So it was kind of cool to me as an outsider, who's somebody who's not incredibly theatrical, looking into the life of New York City arts majors, mm-hmm. or not arts pursuers, I would say. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. But overall, what did you think of this movie? Um, overall, I did not enjoy this movie at all. Really? I thought the first hour was really painful. And why is that? Um, I just thought it was aimless. I didn't enjoy the music. I thought it was tedious. Um, I thought his performance was good. I don't think it's Oscar worthy. Um, I've seen him better, or in my opinion, Mm -hmm. in films that I thought his performance was stronger. Um, I really found this first hour in particular, and I watched it one hour one night and then Mm -hmm. a second hour two nights later, um, very unenjoyable. And why is that? I didn't. I didn't like the music that much, and that's the central part of it. Of and I didn't like the story that much. I didn't like the way it was. <clears throat> it was hard to follow. It was hard to follow it? because, in my mind, so the whole the premise of it is really leading up to the debut, if you will, to his friends and the theater scene. Um, going to this workshop. Going to the workshop, but yet. The way it was filmed, it led me to believe that it was being told through the lens of that workshop, which I didn't quite get. Um, And so, in the end, I have to tell you, I did not enjoy this film. Did you just watch it? Yeah, just this week. Okay, I yeah. saw I saw it on Netflix. Did Luke watch it when he Luke came and over? Lane were watching it today? Okay, yeah, because he was Luke was going to join us tonight, but uh, we're also in the middle of March Madness, and mm-hmm. some things went out. So anyway, that's why. You saw that there. I would say to you the second hour mm-hmm. improved upon the first hour. Sure. But um, I just, whereas a, a, a musical like West Side Story or even Oklahoma or The Sound of Music or The Greatest Showman, it, there was a story that was, um, it, there was a story mm-hmm. and then there were songs that added to the story. Complimented it. Yes. That's one thing I don't like about, that's another thing. I don't like about the the musical Mamma Mia because they took songs mm-hmm. and they created a story out of those to to fit those songs, which was because those songs were written before the movie or the play. Mm-hmm. Most musicals, the story is written, and as you say, the songs complement them. In this, what I found was so tedious was that because they were conveying the musical genius mm-hmm. that he was becoming There's a song or about he everything. was everything he thought everything he saw became a song he was taking the everyday and turning it into lyrics uh, for music and that did not work for me i understand that but i think that 
sort of made it even more real to me because when you're in New York, you know, there's this idealization of what it's like to live in New York, right? Mm-hmm. But from what I heard from my friends who actually have lived or do live there, it's, you know, a lot of it's just very working class, mundane, like the things that you do in everyday life that might seem simple or non-exciting are bolstered in New York. Mm-hmm. So it adds more significance to going to a bodega or even like brunch or something mm-hmm. like that. Walking in the park, it means a lot more, I feel like, when you're living in that city mm-hmm. and you're not doing incredibly well financially necessarily. Mm-hmm. So for him, I thought it was cool that it showed off how creative he was because he just had so much passion for every tiny detail of life and he was dedicated to his craft by making almost everything into a song. However, I will admit, almost nothing in this film rhymed musically and that was really strangely difficult to listen to. Um, I'll admit, I love rock music and this was a rock sort of show that he put on for Mm -hmm. Superbia, but it... I'd say maybe one song resonated with me a little bit, but most of it just didn't land for me. However, I did like this film. I did. It's not something that I would recommend to my friends. You tend to like musicals more than you think. To an extent, for sure, but it's I have to be selective about it. Mm-hmm. I thought Andrew Garfield did a very good job because most of us know him for Spider-Man or I can't really name any other films he's what been in. was that war film he was in? He was great. Oh, Hacksaw Ridge. Yeah, he was, was very, very film. good in that. And I think we all know that he deserves like he was, another. He was uh, in the eyes of Tammy Faye last year. That was good. He's getting a little bit of a resurgence now. Mm-hmm. And I can definitely appreciate seeing more of his talents on screen. Mm-hmm. So I think he can sing pretty well. Yeah, I, I would say that that was uh, a nice surprise. He's, and he's very talented. We know he's talented. But right. the vocal talent was impressive. Well, I think his blend of acting and playing and also singing at the same time really gave weight to his performance mm-hmm. and just his character. So it was good to see more of his range here. I really appreciate that. And I thought Vanessa Hudgens made a pretty darn good turn in this movie, too. Great, great voice. Let me tell you about Vanessa Hudgens. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize that was her until halfway through it. She was the highlight of the film. I'm telling you, she is talented. She her is. voice is fantastic. And she was really, in my opinion, the standout of this film. Yes, she was quite good. She wasn't a major character per se. No, she was. She can sing. She really can, and she's moved far beyond High School Musical. Yeah. And she might have not been in way too many films mm-hmm. since then, uh, but she remains an incredibly popular celebrity, and I think with good reason. She has a great voice. That's it's. You can tell when somebody is made to be an artist, right? You know, they can sing well, but you can tell when somebody was really born to sing. And I think Vanessa Hudgens truly does have that kind of voice. I think we're going to see, because of this film, a lot more of her. She's been sort of relegated to, you know, Hallmark uh, Christmas movies. She's done, maybe it's Hallmark or Netflix, I don't know, like the last three Christmases she's done. And you think, uh, you see this and you think, wow, she's capable of so much more. Uh, I would definitely, if she's in another film especially if she's singing, Mm. I'd probably go check it out because she was really impressive. Yeah, I kind of like to think of this as the Robert Pattinson effect, right? Yeah, yeah. You think the breakout role from the role for which they're known. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And so I love to see that Mm -hmm. uh, when it comes to the movies that we watch. But um, I also thought Alexandra Shipp, who played uh, Susan Wilson, Andrew Garfield's girlfriend Mm -hmm. uh, in the movie, Mm -hmm. Andrew Garfield's character is Jonathan Larson. Yes. Um, I thought she was good. Uh, mm-hmm. She seemed like she was a bit of a newcomer, but I think that she was the central sort of conflict in the film. She should have left him a lot longer, a lot earlier in the film than she did. 
Yeah, it, but you know, it's it's a movie. It's a love story I know, too. I know. So, um, and then I thought um, Jonathan Larson's best friend, yeah. uh, Michael, mm-hmm. who is played by Robin DeJesus, mm-hmm. I thought he was really, really strong too. For I did supporting too. character, he was put in just enough to where it wasn't like he was in every single shot, but he did so well. And I thought he his earnestness on screen was uh, quite well done. I really liked. I really liked his cast. And I thought the scene of them on the street where they were walking and, and, and really conflict arose mm-hmm. was uh, very effective. Absolutely. You know, this is a film that simultaneously respects Jonathan Larson's uh, tenacity and who he was, but it also sort of shows off um, a little bit of his flaws and, you know, how he could have a one-track mind and it could occasionally hurt the people around him, mm-hmm. um, whether that was intentional or unintentional. So I appreciated that it explored multiple themes, but it didn't necessarily, I think it meandered a bit where it introduced multiple conflicts, but it didn't quite tie up everything. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It ultimately told his sort of how he was working on a musical for eight years and when he finished his first one. So um, overall, I would say I did like it um, more than you, it sounds like. Mm-hmm. I would not recommend this to people who don't like musicals. But to this is definitely for the acting and the theater majors, mm-hmm. all the people who really, really appreciate Broadway. Yeah, well, and that I, kind of style. I have a friend, Caroline. She recommended this on her podcast, and and I can see why because she's she's a theater person. Yeah, yeah. Know? And I'm not anti theater by any means. I really like going to the theater. I just don't like to go to the theater and see this. Well, you know that's fair enough. And I mean, once again, we were just talking about music as a central component of this movie. And the genre. If you don't like the music, then you're probably not going to like the film that much Mm -hmm, either. mm -hmm. So that's fair. All right. So let's move into somewhat spoiler territory, I suppose. Uh, So obviously the central idea of this film is Jonathan Larson, before he made Rent, uh, they're exploring his early life when he's making Superbia. He's been working on this uh, play production Mm -hmm. for eight years, and he hasn't found much success. He is kind of down in the dumps financially you know he can barely pay rent and his friends love him but they're realizing that he either needs to move on or realize that he's kind of having a bit of a pipe dream and he needs to do more yet he's so insistent on his work which he's very good at but how hard is it to get a broadway play Mm -hmm. going Mm -hmm. right so there's a little bit of drama in that way and his girlfriend is moving away she took a job um in some other part of new york i suppose yeah and he's kind of not emotionally available there for her because he's so entrenched in his work. Um, Michael, uh, he's uh, he has a lot of friends in the LGBTQIA community. This takes place in the late 80s, early 90s. I think it's I 1990 is when it takes place. Yeah, because they didn't have cell phones. They were listening to their voice uh, messages a lot right. on their answering machines. I remember those so days. That was pretty they were not that long ago. Yeah, I mean, I remember those days mm-hmm. when we had a landline mm-hmm. and you know we checked those messages. But um, yeah. This, I would say this film jumped around a lot. Not so sporadically to where it was too much of a problem, but sometimes it, the main thing that was happening was the beginning when he was putting on his actual production of Superbia. But then he was sort of recounting his life through the play. Mm -hmm. And that's when it sort of did like flashbacks. And that's where a lot of the meat of the movie was. But it would sometimes go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, where it didn't mesh together Mm -hmm. very well, in Mm -hmm. my opinion. 
And I do want to say this one is by Lin Manuel Miranda. Uh, he directed this movie, and you might know him as Hamilton the creator theme. of Hamilton, which is running on Broadway still to this day, of six course. years later, and, and will be forever. Yeah, or at least a long time. Oh uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I think this is a pretty solid debut directing, at least in he, terms he did of the end of the heights. In the heights, in yeah. The heights, yeah. Um, I didn't see that. Did you? I did not see in the heights. And that was an adaptation. That was not original. Uh, yeah, I, I think that's sure. sort of what he's doing on the directorial route. But I think his filmmaking is pretty darn good mm-hmm. for somebody turned. Um, I mean, he's know. a huge talent. There's just no question. He's a musical genius. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, I I'm actually surprised by how well he transitioned from uh, Broadway stage production to you know directing a film because you might think oh there's so many similarities and there are but it's very very difficult to go through that whole process of financing a film creative control getting the right actors and ultimately making that movie and so netflix actually might have given him a lot more leeway than other production studios but i was impressed manuel miranda is huge i mean he is a name that people companies are going to invest in Big oh, time. I absolutely agree. Yeah. But um, remember David Fincher, who's well-known mm-hmm. for Zodiac, Seven, Seven. Fight Club, and um, Mindhunter, and quite a few other films. I mean, he directed Alien 3, and he said that was – he was just talking about how terrible of an experience that mm-hmm. was because 20th Century Fox was meddling in that creative process so much, and he didn't – the final product was not his original vision. Mm-hmm. So even very talented people – can sometimes get bogged down by the politics of filmmaking mm-hmm. and you know and the I, Hollywood industry. And I think there's a lot of that that we don't ever know for the most part. Oh, absolutely. And I think now... It must be very frustrating as a creative type. Because you could get blacklisted yeah. for speaking against, you know, the main... Uh, Company? Funders, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. who do that. Yeah. And I think there have been instances where people have sort of spoken out a little bit too much when they haven't been like Martin Scorsese mm-hmm. or, you know, Steven Spielberg. And they've gotten less work because of it. Same thing with actors. So, um, yeah, but we digress. This, I, I, I did like this film. I did. I wouldn't say it was, it definitely felt its runtime. Mm-hmm. It was. Oh, did it ever. Was it two and a half hours? No, it was just over two, but it felt like, it was really, you know, if you subtract the end credits, which are five minutes for any film, mm-hmm. right? It's about two hours, a little mm-hmm. less maybe, but it felt plenty long enough to me. Yeah, I thought this was interesting because it was somewhat biographical on Jonathan Larson but it didn't really feel like they were doing it in the style of what Bohemian Rhapsody or um the Elton John movie were doing um, right and see I prefer that style yeah it was more about those were more biopics right it yeah. was more about how his first production came yeah. into you know into being and less about him as a person and his life I suppose mm-hmm. but um he also uh, he died the day before Rent. Was that what it was? Yeah, he, he died the day before Rent. Uh, I think during like the dress rehearsal or something oh, day. He had an aneurysm, right? right? Yeah, he had an aneurysm yeah. and he died at, what, 35, 35 years old? Yeah, yeah. 35 years old. So um, do you remember the scene in the song when they were in the diner? He works in a diner. Um, There's a lot of scenes in that diner. I, I, right. When the walls come down, they're singing the Sunday the brunch, that kind of thing? Yeah. Yeah. I thought that song was awful. And you, you should know that Sunday brunch is one of my favorite things ever. Now, I realize that that's <laughs> nonsensical to some extent, but you might even think I might enjoy it just because of the title. 
I didn't think that song. Speaking of not rhyming, and speaking, of, I mean, and songs don't have to rhyme for them to. Make, I remember his to be last powerful. note in that song was just, a little bit weird. Too. And I think I think what was interesting about that is, and I could be wrong, and some listeners mm-hmm. might be annoyed by this comment, but I think that there were some real um, theater celebrities in that scene. For example, Bernadette Peters, mm-hmm. who is you probably don't know that name, but she's has quite a. Um, a talented and then there was that actor, guy yes. who came up to him and yep. he was like what's your party size and he was like don't misspell my name yeah i feel like he had there were yeah things. and there was yeah so i think there was maybe something that we missed because we're not the theater mm-hmm. geeks maybe that uh you know we might otherwise be but i just didn't like that song and i thought oh, that's a missed opportunity for me because one i love diners mm-hmm. two i love breakfast or brunch mm-hmm. and three i like songs music but the combination didn't work for me and i know that's you know kind of a ridiculous statement to make but at the in the end it was sort of typical of how i experienced this film very disappointing on just about every level sure i can understand but i think one aspect that this film did really well was covering the hysteria of the late 80s and 90s Mm -hmm. um uh, AIDS mm-hmm. epidemic, yep, the HIV, mm-hmm. because uh, a lot of his friends are part of the LGBTQIA mm-hmm. uh, community, and so you know he was a straight man mm-hmm. in this film. So I think it did a really good job of showing a lot of compassion towards people who were very misunderstood at the time. I think agree. It painted, um, I, I think it painted these individuals as deviant like characters way back then, and it was showing that. You know, you know, they're more than just a disease, right? Of course. You know what I'm saying? Right. So I, I really appreciated how uh, they were so vulnerable in this mm-hmm. film with some of his best friends. We're well, I appreciated the community it. that his, his uh, that he had with his friends. I mean, and, and family. They were his family. Uh, yeah. And I appreciated that. But that's about it. Yeah, of course. But, I, you know, it's... I really liked... If they had to add some sort of, like, social message to this, mm-hmm. I appreciate how they navigated that because... That was probably, I didn't live through that, so that was probably a really tough topic and probably an even harder part. Yeah, and I did live through it, right, those those years. And so, and yeah, in some ways, fortunately, we have come a long way. Did you know that they, like, found the first instance of being able to cure HIV? They don't have a cure, right. but they just did bone marrow transplants mm-hmm. where people no longer have it, the virus in their body. Hmm. How wild is that? But I think back wow. then it was pretty much a death sentence or oh. you didn't know how long you were going to live. Well, you know, it's like a lot of things that are – it was still relatively new. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I mean, I, we could – I'll just tell you. I mean, you know, back in 1984 or 88 when Greg Luganis mm-hmm. hit his head on the diving board yeah. and was bleeding – there was great concern about the blood in the pool and, and all of that. No kidding. Yes, really? it was a whole thing. Yeah, wow. I mean, yeah, so my point being is that there were so many things that in the 80s, well, just like today, new things that occur, we're still trying, COVID, we're still trying to figure out, right? Yeah. But in this case, it was HIV and AIDS and how that impacted mm-hmm. and, you know, how you could, you know, get it kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Other ways to get definitely. it. Definitely. Yeah. So I appreciated that. And stuff. I appreciated that they didn't dance around that. No, I did too. I agree. And that was good. I felt like it was a natural part of the film because it mm-hmm. was his community. Yes. Um, the and one that was strong. The one thing I thought was kind of poorly done was when I thought Michael, his best friend, Jonathan Larson's mm-hmm. best friend, was really great in the film, but it felt shoehorned in there when they told when he told him that he had HIV. 
um, at the, oh, when yeah. they were in the office. The I knew he meant to tell him earlier, but it seemed like they had that moment where they were so sad. And he's like, oh, I have to get back to work. And it was never addressed again. Yeah. So it was, yeah. okay, he visited him in his apartment and they hugged, of course. But it felt like there was more, there need to be more it emotional weight to that. cut in the editing room. You think so? Yeah, so often I think sometimes these things do. And, you know, it's for better or worse. I mean, we, we didn't get to see that sort of play out. It felt a little shoehorned, but we also got a shorter movie as a result. And I'll take that. Yeah, absolutely. But I definitely appreciated how they um, include the theme of you're much more than your diagnosis and right. sort of dispelling um, some of the stereotypes mm-hmm. or, I guess, myths of the disease yeah. without being too heavy-handed, right? Right. So, uh, yeah, I thought that was a good aspect of the film. But overall, I thought it was... How many Zs, Noah? Out of five? Out of five. I would give it, I want to say, probably three Zs. I think that's right where it needs to be for me. Um, Wasn't a bad film at all. But I wouldn't say I'd watch it again or that it was necessarily my type of cinema. Mm -hmm. But... I'm glad I watched it, and I thought Andrew Garfield was delightful, and I thought the supporting cast was quite good. So, not too many complaints. Okay. What about you? I'm going with one and a half. Wow. And that's largely because of um, Vanessa Hudgens. Uh, I think the rest of it was... uh, I mean, you know, and like I said, I'm a huge... I I really am a big fan of Andrew Garfield, but Mm -hmm. I just did not enjoy this film at all. And you know what? You don't have to. I think that almost makes for better listening, because Mm -hmm. you didn't really like the film, and I did. And, And often, you and I have tended on this pod to agree with some of the films we've seen so this is good i i didn't know what you thought about this i I had a feeling you might like it more than i did yeah and i will say the second hour was much better than the first which is why it gets an extra half z from me one and a half z's from me three from you yeah cool well that is our official review of tick tick boom and what are we going to watch next week? I don't know. we got to talk about that off the pod. Yeah, sounds good. Okay. Um, all right. Check it out. Let's go into check it out. What do you got? All right. I have a podcast. Yeah. Uh, and you're going to laugh at this. So there's like a two or four minute podcast. I think it's maybe two minutes. It's called, because you know I like short. Huh? It's called Dad Joke, Daily Dad Jokes. Daily Dad Jokes. And I don't know how I discovered it, but I listen to it each morning mm-hmm. when I'm walking the dogs. Mm-hmm. And um, it's this guy... Um, uh, I forgot his first name. Jeffries is his last name. Anyway, mm-hmm. and he's um, he tells these really corny jokes. I discovered it when I was in uh, uh, Copenhagen earlier, mm-hmm. uh, well, in February. And I just keep listening. It's really funny, and it's two minutes, and it, it's just enough to make me chuckle. And then Bob Jeffries is his name. and uh, That's a fun idea. You just sort of move on, and he ends it with... Now, it, it sounds as though he's in a studio oh. in front of an audience, and he'll say, uh, I'm Bob Jeffries, or Jeffries. Um, I'll be back again tomorrow. Good night, everyone. And it's just kind of fun. Two minutes. Uh, check it out. It's called Daily Dad Jokes. I like that. I like that. So um, my check it out is going to be two songs from a band that I recently discovered. I can actually shout out Grace for uh, sending me one of the songs. But um, this is some pretty awesome sort of canyon red rocks it sounds like almost live um in the tracks that i'm gonna recommend but this band is called krangbin which is k-h-r-u-a-n-g-b-i-n and this is some very chill sort of soft rock alternative music that i think anybody can really uh get into it's very relaxing and it's just very catchy too so the songs that you should listen to are texas sun and mariella beautiful 
beautiful songs. Um, I've really come to like this band. They're very, very talented, and they're on Spotify, Apple Music, and probably wherever else you listen to um, your stuff. So, yeah, that's my check out for today. Okay. Before we go, I want to just add that it's not uh, Bob Jeffries. It's Bob Jeffrey. Bob Jeffrey. For Daily Dad Jokes. Cool. Okay. All right. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of ZZ Talk. We are going to, um, I'm going to post uh, our video podcast because we just got approved uh, to be video creators. Um, I think Anchor is doing a sort of limited rollout of that and I wanted to see if we could do it. So um, that will probably be up before this episode. It'll be our 80s music episode, right? Yes. So you will actually get to see the tier list as we go along and see the album covers and whatnot. It's a fun little way to experience the episode if you have already or if you haven't. So, yeah, go ahead and give that a watch. Yeah, as, as our listeners know, that was my favorite episode so far. Yeah. Over, over a year of episodes. And um, it was also well-received by uh, some people that I, I know who grew up in the 80s. <laughs> <laughs> Good to hear. Yeah, that we originally wanted to put that one to video, but I had not realized that we were uh, not approved for uh, that at the time. But now we are. So if that comes along again, uh, you will see more special video features. Cool. But, um, yeah. Uh, Thanks for listening once again. Until next week, I'm Noah. I'm Greg. And this is ZZ Talk. Talk.